Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this episode, we're going to start off by checking in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacy, editor and publisher of Family Tree Magazine, who will introduce us to a new member of the magazine's team and announce an exciting new sweepstakes. Then we'll cover the latest happenings in the genealogy world with the genealogy insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Then we have a special combination of our top tips segment and the 101 best websites segment as we explore the newly released 101 best websites for 2010, which make their debut in the article Fancy Free in the September 2010 issue of the magazine. And we'll do that with the article's author and contributing editor, David Frixell. And then our own in-house preservationist, Grace Dobush, will bring us another installment of Safekeeping. And finally, in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Allison and I will be sharing some answers to common Google search questions. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the editor's desk with Allison Stacy. Well, it's time once again to check in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacy. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. So, Allison, I understand there are some new things going on at Family Train Magazine. How about telling us about it? Sure. Well, we have a special guest with us today. Her name is Lindsay Senna, and she is our intern for the summer here at the Family Tree Magazine and Family Tree University offices. So we wanted to bring Lindsay on today and introduce her to all of our podcast listeners who will surely be benefiting from the work that she's doing with us this summer. Thanks for joining us today, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, Allison. Hi, Lindsay. So nice to meet you. I've heard great things about you from Allison. I know she's been thrilled to have your help there around the offices. Tell our audience, what is it that you do there at Family Tree Magazine? Well, I am an editorial intern for Family Tree Magazine this summer. I just graduated from Notre Dame, actually, and since I'm from Cincinnati and I'm very interested in publishing, I wanted to work here, and so far it's been really great. Yeah, Lindsay's working on some really cool projects for us, um, so listeners can look forward to seeing some of these later uh, in the fall. One of the projects she's been working on is a monster of a book called The Family Tree Sourcebook. Lindsay, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what you've been doing and what they can expect to see in this book. All right. Well, The Family Tree Sourcebook is this, as Allison said, it's a monster of a book. It's over 750 pages. It has very detailed information about every county in the U.S., And I've just been working on formatting and doing some light updating of information for this book. It's been very gratifying work to see it all come together. Yeah, this is a book that we first published about five years ago called the Family Tree Resource Book. And it's a coast-to-coast guide to county record information. So each state has a chapter, and then every county and every state information about when the birth records start and who to get them from, marriage, death, probate, etc., etc. And so, as you can imagine, it's been quite a monumental task to take all of that information and get it updated and refreshed for a new edition, and Lindsay has definitely had her hands full with that. Yes, but I think it's almost finished. It's in the editing stage right now, so... 
Right. That book will be hitting store shelves in about mid-September. Oh, but it sounds like a fantastic resource. Gosh, Lindsay, here you are getting exposed to all of the amazing resources. Tell us, have you done any um, research of your own on your own family history? I have, actually. Um, When I started working for Family Tree, I just kind of had a general curiosity into genealogy. I was by no means um, pursuing it on my own time. But after reading all of these articles and doing other fact-checking, I just can't find, I can't help myself but actually go to these websites and enter my family names and see all of the results that come up. And I will actually be starting a blog about my family tree research, so that should be coming next week sometime. Yeah, so listeners can go to our blog, The Genealogy Insider, and check that out for Lindsay's post. She's going to be sharing some of the things she's dug up about her family tree. What's your background, Lindsay? Um, Well, my mother is, her ancestors have been in the U.S. for a long time, Um, but my dad is Italian, so Ah. it's a nice mix of things. Lots of interesting stuff to check out. So be sure to go check out our blog, um, of course, for all of the latest news, but also to um, follow Lindsay's pursuits of her family tree and learn about some of the interesting resources and tools that she's coming across um, during her work here this summer. Oh, fantastic. Lindsay, I'm so glad you could join us here on the show. It's fun to hear your voice um, after hearing about you from, I know Diane Haddad mentioned that you were working for the company now in her blog in the Genealogy Insider. So it's fun to get a chance to meet you. Allison, tell us again what the timeline is on that new book. The book will be coming out around the 15th of September. It'll be available at um, major bookstores like Barnes and Noble and Borders, as well as at shopfamilytree.com. And um, it's called The Family Tree Sourcebook. Now, I know you mentioned right before we went on the air that there's something else coming up here that's kind of exciting. Tell us what you've got cooking over there. Yes, we'd like to let everyone know about a sweepstakes that we're going to, um, we have running on our website at win.familytreemagazine.com. You can enter for a chance to win a $250 shopping spree at shopfamilytree.com. So you can choose from books, magazines, CDs, um, products from Family Tree Magazine, as well as other companies. Um, A really good opportunity to build up your genealogy toolkit. So be sure to visit and enter for the opportunity to win. Lots of fun things to look forward to. Lindsay, we're going to look forward to your blog posts. And of course, we're going to look forward to the source book and uh, that wonderful sweepstakes. Ooh, how fun. Lindsay and Allison, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you. Well, it's time to check in on the genealogy blogosphere, and the person to do that with is Diane Haddad, the Genealogy Insider. Hi, Diane. Hi. Well, Diane, it's summertime, so a lot of times there's not a lot of new announcements, but I've seen some things up there on the Genealogy Insider blog. Tell us what's going on these days. Well, one thing we had recently was the National Archives has opened voting for their website redesign, and it's dramatically different from their four options, and they're all very different from what the site currently looks like. Um, They all have fewer links, I think is the main thing. They're trying to make it easier for people to get into the site and find what they need. So it's a little bit less overwhelming if you're new to that website. So it's not just so much the graphics, but it's actually the usability of the site that they're testing? 
Right. They had people participate in what they called a card sort in which they tried to figure out what categories would you naturally think that certain topics go into so they could totally reorganize the site. Boy, it's kind of nice when a website actually asks you before they just change everything on you, isn't it? And right. Because you do. You, you, see, you think a certain way as you're going about research and digging into a website. We'll all have a link to that blog post that you have it on there so they can click through and go in and take a look and, and vote on it mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, there are four options. Great. And they can just choose which one they like best. Okay. Yeah, I noticed they had a new logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. The, uh, the soaring eagle there. Yes. <laughs> Great. And there's some things going on with Civil War ancestors, correct? Yes. We actually are preparing to celebrate the sesquicentennial of the Civil War next year. And one thing that we're doing for that is putting out a special calendar that will feature photos of our readers' Civil War ancestors. So we are inviting people to send us their Civil War photos. We have a Flickr site it's flickr.com slash groups slash Civil War Ancestors, and that's linked on the blog. Um, they can send a picture or more pictures if they have them, and we'd love, I mean, I don't, pictures, they're just great, the ones that have been sent so far. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about the calendar. And so you as the editors will be going through and, and handpicking the ones that will appear. This is a 2011 calendar? Yes, um, we will, and also our art director will. Oh, I know. It's so much fun to see. It's like there are all these private collections out there. You know, we think of the collections in archives and libraries, but what sits in people's own personal homes are amazing, some of the photographs you see. Right, and this is an opportunity for for everyone to see these pictures that you wouldn't otherwise get to look at and for people to share. Now, you just did one um, previously on another one where people were providing photographs and you picked some of your favorites. What was that again? That was for the 2010 calendar. Oh, yeah. And that was, um, it was a broader theme where any, you know, we'd do any picture. And I think we're going to do that again as well. Oh, okay. That, those were beautiful. I don't know how you pick from them because I know. Uh, they were just some wonderful, captivating <laughs> it pictures. It was difficult. There. And some of those pictures have also popped up in various issues of the magazine throughout the year. Right. And I see that you're going to be busy doing a webinar coming up. Uh huh. In August, we are having sort of a panel webinar called Ask the Editors, and that will feature um, Allison, Grace, and myself, and people will just be able to ask us whatever questions they want. So I'm a little bit nervous because it's <laughs> unscripted. <laughs> you are opening yourself up. But you know, that is so unique. We all have our favorite magazines that we read, genealogy related and not. And to have a chance to you know, just kind of throw questions at the mm-hmm. experts and the people and even just find out what it's like to produce a magazine. Yeah. And I should point out that it's free, too. Ah, fabulous. Free. Yes. So they can uh, register for that. Now, that's coming up on August 11th, and it's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's and run right. about an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Well, what kind of what kind of questions are you expecting? Are you is there any way to prepare? Well, I think that we will have um, some different references with us, and we'll have the computer available, of course, for um, questions that people might ask about their personal research and how to get started on this topic. Just uh, yesterday, someone called me on the phone, and they wanted to know. Um, what should they do about research in Brazil, which is a country we haven't covered in the magazine, and and this person doesn't speak Portuguese. Mm. 
So I advised her to um, use the Family Search Brazil Research Outline, and then they also have a Portuguese word list. Oh, fabulous. So some things like that might come up. Exactly. And you have the benefit of not only all the articles that you're constantly editing and proofing and, and absorbing, but, you know, all right. of the experts that you pull from and talk to. And, of course, I know you as the Genealogy Insider are getting those first notices of anything that's going on new in terms of record collections. Right. New resources, new online sources. And it's not quite so much knowing exactly the information, but where to find the information is just as important. That's the key, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you can track it down, then you're in good shape. Yes. Well, terrific. Well, if you want to uh, stay in tune with what's going on in the world of genealogy, the place to go is blog.familytreemagazine.com slash insider because Diane Haddad is the Genealogy Insider. Thanks, Diane, for joining us. You're welcome. In this episode, we are going to combine the top tips segment with the 101 best websites for a very good reason. The 2010 edition of the 101 best websites list is coming out in the September 2010 issue of the magazine. And not only are there a lot of great websites to cover, but there are a lot of terrific tips to be had as we chat with the author of the article, Fancy Free, that features the new list, and that is David Frixell. Welcome back, David. Hi, great to be here again. Good to have you here. I cannot believe another year has already flown by. We're talking about the next list. Amazing. Of course, I wasn't surprised to see, because I know that you like a good bargain. Uh, I was not surprised to see that, of course, this one is focused on websites that are free. And um, it's kind of nice to know that there's still a lot of good freebies out there, right? Absolutely. This is the first time we've ever done just free ones. I think from the very beginning, there have at least been a few that had some, you know, real cost involved. But, you know, with the economy still kind of in a tailspin and uh, people pinching pennies, it's important to remind them that, you know, not only are there a few good websites, but, you know, here's 101 good websites that are uh, free. We even had to think a little bit about, well, what does free mean? Uh, it should, maybe you think it would be obvious, but there are some sites that, you know, if you want to get a copy of, uh, some document or something that there's a charge for that, and we thought, well, still so that the as long as you could go to the website and do your business and get some value out of it without having to pay a dime, then that counted as essentially free. Uh, so we didn't split hairs too much on, uh, you know, exactly who was and who wasn't in. But the basic idea is, yes, you know, there's still bargains out there. You can still go to all these sites without having to pull out your credit card even once. Exactly. And it's funny, because I remember the last time we did the 101 list a year ago, um, it was kind of coming up on the 10th anniversary. And you had mentioned to me, wow, Ancestry is one of the few websites that was on there from the very first list. And this year, this is the first time they are not on the list. Right. (laughs) And actually, it's true that Ancestry has a lot of free content, even beyond subscribers. But essentially, they are a subscription website, just like a bunch of others, like Footnote and so forth. Um, and, you know, they're among our favorites, too. But once we decided, well, it was going to be free, it was bye-bye to the uh, subscription sites. We wanted to show you don't necessarily have to, you know, show out to uh, get some good stuff. Exactly. And we can use these, um, can kind of compile these lists to really get the best of the best across the board. But let's talk about how you did kind of assess the field this year. Um, it looked to me like you did some focus on geography. Tell us about how you decided to categorize the different websites. 
Well, we we did the geography a little bit differently um, this year, in part because actually right now I'm working on another story about best state sites. So we didn't want to steal too much thunder from uh, state sites and emphasize those too much. So we looked at um, east of the Rockies and west of the Rockies, as far as the U.S. Uh, goes, mm-hmm. and you know filtered in a bunch of st- sites that we might have categorized otherwise, um, just to uh, get that geographic balance. Um, so with East of the Rockies, we looked at some different ones. Uh, for instance, there's a new one, uh, the Cook County Genealogy Online, where if you have an ancestor from basically the Chicago area, they're putting like 8 million vital records online, and again, it's absolutely free. Um, so that was a newcomer. Even in Family Tree Magazine's hometown of Cincinnati, um, their virtual library at their public library has terrific offerings for uh, researchers in in that area, and you know it's a free public library. So uh, we tried those. We even got in some like uh, Iowa researchers. Uh, we mentioned the Iowa GenWeb site, which is part of the also free U.S. GenWeb network of sites. And while all those are good sites, and they all have links to county sites, which are really sort of the bread and butter of that uh, operation. The Iowa site has a lot of special projects where they're compiling cemeteries and uh, WPA records and so forth. So they're really going above and beyond what uh, the other sort of more portal-like sites are doing. So we tried to you know, spread them out across the country, and by doing east and west, we guaranteed a little bit of geographic uh, you know, diversity there. Exactly. And um, so many of these websites do have so much going on. And you kind of mentioned there above and beyond. Is that kind of what you were looking for when you find, you find a way to get down to 101? Yes. You know, there, are, there are so many sites out there. And I think the one of the things that I look for is, is this a site where I can do real research? Mm-hmm. And more and more you know, why we've gotten spoiled now. It used to be that you could make the list if you you just had a couple of good genealogy tips. Well, that isn't going to cut it anymore. <laughs> you know, so we, we're a little bit more demanding than perhaps we used to be. And um, the uh, so sites where you can go online and find real records, do real research, you know, in this, the geography section we have the uh, Arizona uh, state site where you get can get birth and death certificates. Well, not only can you search for an index for birth and death certificates, but then you can click on it and get the a PDF of the actual original birth certificate or death certificate. So, you know, things that used to take writing away and filling out forms and so forth, now, boom, you know, a couple of clicks you can do them. So it, it really, you know, that really raises the bar for everybody else when you can, you know, deliver that kind of information. Um, you know, and that's true of some of the foreign sites and the immigration sites and that sort of thing um, as well. And then be, if it's not real data, then it better be pretty useful tools that you can uh, use uh, in your genealogy. Uh, you know, again, the bar is pretty high, but we, since we limited it to free tools, you know, there are a lot of family tree website sites where you can build a family tree online now, but we, it, it had, these had to be really the best, best of the best. If it's a tool, they've got to be something you're probably going to use every day. A newcomer this year is a site called Evernote, which, again, is not a genealogy site per se, but it's a fabulous tool. You can download it for free when you find a website that 
has genealogical information that you want to save, you just click this little elephant icon, and it like clips it into uh, a notebook on Evernote, which then is instantaneously synced with your other computer, your iPhone, your iPad, um, you know, different across different platforms. It's a very cool tool for saving genealogy information online. Even the information if you go to a library and you can snap a picture and pop that into Evernote. So you know, we really expected that either you got to deliver us a lot of real data or an awfully useful tool that we're going to decide, you know, I can't live without that. Well, one of my tips when it comes to Evernote is people often don't realize it's not only a great way to save that data, but they have that OCR feature where when you clip an image, you can then search it. And it's looking using the OCR technology to locate that picture or that image of that word that you're looking for and bring up the appropriate image. To me, that hands down makes Evernote above and beyond. You know, tools like that where it, in effect, organizes all the stuff, otherwise it'll wind up as a paper stack on your desk that you never find stuff in. You know, that's that's pretty valuable. Yeah, wonderful. Now, you mentioned that, of course, that's brand new to the list this year. Any others that were brand new that stood out to you? Uh, or some that you've got your eye on as kind of real up and coming? you got to watch these sites. Well, I mentioned the, uh, the one Cook County. I don't know what it is about Cook County, um, Illinois, but they have uh, the one site for vital records. But they also had uh, a site which was new this year where the clerk of their circuit court, they're digitizing um, naturalization records, about 400,000 of them. And it wouldn't even be just Chicago. It could be anybody who, lived, you know, if you lived in Illinois, you might go to Chicago to get naturalized. And often that's the first record of somebody in the United States. And, uh, you know, full of all kinds of information. They're digitizing all this, you know, for free. Um, so they're a newcomer to the list that I think, uh, uh, you know, will, will probably be a, uh, you know, perennial. The uh, one that really uh, they were really watching is the BYU Family History Archive, where it's in association with FamilySearch, they're digitizing um, family history books in, you know, great numbers and, again, putting them on the web for free. And it's really another one of these projects that's bringing a library, you know, really right to your desktop. And uh, I think as they keep adding things, that's going to rise higher and higher as sort of a, you know, must-see um, among, uh, you know, all these family history sites. Yeah, it's it's so exciting to see books coming online. And then you've also included WorldCat, which, of course, is such a powerful tool for just searching across the board, across the country, across the world, looking for the books that you need. And, uh, and of course, now you can put that right on your mobile phone, right? Right. And we also, uh, we've talked before about Google and uh, all the wonderful things they can do with uh, books. This year, we also spotlighted the Google News Archive, which works in somewhat the same way um, in searching old newspapers. And some of the ones to get the full thing you have to it might have to pay the uh, organization that owns the actual old newspaper right but all the searching you know, all the google doesn't charge you anything so again it's putting this kind of information at your fingertips that you know not only is it convenient but it's convenient to search so you can get the information that might be hiding there you know you might never have found in you know a dozen years of searching but here you know a couple of clicks and oh yeah there's you know Great Uncle Joe in the, uh, you know, St. Louis, Missouri newspaper. Oh, 
you click, and there he is. Yeah, I love the Google News Archive. In fact, I did a video. It's a free video on my YouTube channel, Genealogy Gems YouTube channel, where um, they take the news archive and over in Google Labs, which is kind of the beta test site area for Google, um, they combine it with the timeline and it, it goes even further. So I'll actually include the video with the show notes so that you can do it. It's a step-by-step tutorial, but you don't want to miss it because David's absolutely right. That one is fantastic. Now, I noticed in the the last category, it's share and share alike. And there we find a very non-genealogy website that is kind of becoming one of the premier genealogy websites, and that's Facebook. Well, just as in other areas, Facebook is becoming a bigger and bigger deal across the web. I just read where more and more people are getting information from Facebook than from traditional news-type websites. But for genealogy, it's become such an important way for people to share and exchange information. It just seemed like it was uh, you know, a, a must-site uh, you know, to include. And of course, being free, uh, it qualified. We also included uh, sites like Flickr, which has so, become so important for sharing old photos, just as it is for sharing new photos. Um, but if, if you put these sites to genealogical use, um, even if that's not what they originally had in mind, they can still be you know, extremely valuable to you. Do you have any tips for using Flickr? I've gone in there, and sometimes it's a little overwhelming. But I know that you can, what, create streams or ways of, of sharing or, or pulling people together to share their photos? Is that right? I'm not as good on Flickr as, uh, as a lot of people, as my daughter is, for example. I'll have to ask her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Same with Facebook. She's the real Facebook ace here. <laughs> yeah. That's so typical that, you know, the younger people are coming in and, you know, they're doing Twittering and they're doing Facebook and all this sort of stuff. And some of us are just barely, you know, out of print books all the time. Oh, but that's so perfect, isn't it? Because that is a wonderful way to pull in the next generation. Uh, so we don't say, you know, come help us with our genealogy research, but come help me with this uh, Flickr or this Facebook or, you know, some other website. page for the, you know, Frickzell family history. Exactly. <laughs> and they become the expert. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And, of course, DNA, that's still out there. You've got listed Sorensen Molecular Genealogy Foundation. Um, right. Did that one surface to the top for you? Because why? Well, I think it had the most real information that you could use without necessarily paying them to do your DNA test. Mm-hmm. You know, so that there are other, other good sites, but they're really built primarily as a service to their customers, whereas... This is more of a uh, an open kind of site for people who uh, may have had their DNA tested in, you know, from other sources. They are affiliated with a place that will do your actual testing, but that's not what this site's main goal isn't selling you the test. Exactly. Um, so, as I say, it was tricky in a lot of these to sort of sort out because, you know, you say there's no free lunch. Often these sites have to do something to make money um, or have some financial, you know, aspect to them. A lot of them managed to do a lot, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, of course, you know, there's a whole section for Uncle Sam sites. Uh, as strapped as you know the federal government is, and with all the deficits and everything, there's still an awful lot of really valuable government sites that you can uh, access that are putting free information out there. So it is sort of your tax dollars at work. Well, finally, do you have a favorite amongst these 101s? Which one does uh, David Frickell? just love and use on a regular basis? Boy, um, well, you know, I guess in some ways you have to go back to the 
early days of online genealogy, and I mean, I've been doing it long enough now, and Family Tree has been around long enough that we really remember when the advent of Family Search was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it has been a while since Family Search has really been, you know, a go-to site in a lot of ways. It, it hadn't changed much, but with the addition of records with their so-called pilot site. I think it's really become a site to watch again and a site where, you know, I'm always going to see, have they added, you know, the records that I'm looking for now? The technology it uses is pretty slick and, uh, you know, they have new ways to search. So it's, it's nice to see, you know, some of the oldies becoming goodies again in a way. And of course, you know, it's, uh, it's still free and, you know, fundamentally tied into the, Family History Library, which is such an incredible uh, resource. So I think as we get closer to, you know, sort of that dream of being able to do your genealogy all online, um, there's certainly, uh, you know, a site to watch that's going to be leading the way and uh, making that a reality. It is very nice to see. It's Family Search blazing the trail again. Well, if you want a comprehensive list of quality, recommended, free websites, then this article, Fancy Free, is really a must-have. You can find all 101 websites in the September 2010 issue of Family Tree Magazine. And as always, David, thank you so much for doing so much of the legwork for us. Uh, Thanks. We'll do it again next year. everybody. This is Grace, the preservation expert at Family Tree Magazine. The 101 best website season is always exciting around here. I'm going to share some of my favorite preservation websites with you in this edition of Safekeeping. First off, the Library of Congress's preservation site has a section called Caring for Your Collection with advice for everyday people like you and me from the experts at the LOC. They've got details about professional standards for preserving books, papers, film, and other things that you might have in your collections. You can check it out at loc.gov preserve. That's P-R-E-S-E-R-V. Remember to visit familytreemagazine.com podcast for direct links to all the sites I'm talking about today. The National Archives and Records Administration also has resources for family archivists in the form of a Q&A with common questions like, What kind of photo album should I use? And should I digitize my photo collection? Spoiler alert, the answer is yes. You can read more at archives.gov slash preservation slash family dash archives. The American Institute for Conservation of Historic and Artistic Works, or AIC for short, has heirloom care guides and directories of professional conservators that you can search by specialty and city. Go to conservation-us.org and click on Resource Center in the left-hand column to get to the Caring for Your Treasures section. It's got advice on everything from works on paper to architecture, metal objects, and paintings. And finally, the Library of Congress is reacting to the changes the digital age has wrought with digitalpreservation.gov, a guide to preserving your own electronic legacy. It's got advice for saving and storing digital photos, emails, and websites. Perhaps you're wondering if it's important to archive your digital life? Watch the video, Why Digital Preservation is Important for Everyone, which is accessible from the main page at digitalpreservation.gov you. 
We've also got plenty of articles about heirloom preservation at FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash article list slash save dash share dash history. Remember to visit FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash podcast for links to all of the resources I mentioned today. Until next time, stay safe. University Crash Course segment, and I've invited back Allison Stacy. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Um, Allison, you were mentioning to me that you were getting some questions on search from some of your readers. Tell us about that. Yeah, we have a lot of questions about search, actually, on our message board and through readers emailing us. And one question had to do with how you can search within a time frame. And I know, Lisa, that that's something that you covered in a webinar recently, and I thought maybe you could share some tips about that. Oh, you bet. Um, Yeah, there's actually a lot of um, different operators, they call them operators that you can use when you're doing Google searches on google.com. And um, actually, the time frame one is one that people don't often know about, but it's really powerful. When you have a time frame, like I have a particular Revolutionary War ancestor that I was researching on, and I was looking for some information on his death. So I had a time span, but I just wasn't sure what the exact time or, or year would be. So I put in his name in the search, and you can even put it in quotation marks if you want to, to make it a very specific name. But his is pretty unique. I just put in the name, and then I put in 1790.1830. And it's fascinating because when you click search, Google will bring up search results with pages that include his name and also include any year that falls between 1790 and 1830. And sure enough, I found information on his death and the exact year that it occurred. I think it was 1825. But it was perfect. Somebody had listed it like on a website or a blog and they had put 1825 that fell within that dot, dot, dot range. And I had it right there at my fingertips. So it saved me an awful lot of web pages to have to kind of slog through because obviously he lived much longer than just between 1790 and 1830. So it's a great question. It's a really easy solution. And yeah, we covered that in the Google search webinar. In fact, I have a couple other favorite tips from that. If you want to go over those, you want to do that? Let's do it. Okay. Well, Another one, I have a great-grandfather who worked on the railroad, and I was looking for, I just wanted to kind of get up to speed with railroad history, specifically in California. But of course, as you know, railroad has a lot of other terms that people could use. You know, when you're doing Google searches, you got to kind of think like the writer of the web page you're looking for. And who knows, you know, exactly what terminology that person's going to use. But Google has a great little operator you can use. It's the tilde. It's that little squiggly line. On my keyboard, it's in the upper left-hand corner. And you have to press shift, you know, to do a, like you would for a cap. And it's up in the left-hand corner next to the number one. Press the tilde and then put the word railroad. So if I put in um, California tilde railroad history, I'm going to get locomotive history, train history, you get the idea. It's it's great because 
it broadens the search just enough to capture the things that fall within that category without, again, hitting you with way more than you can possibly comb through in terms of results. Definitely, and avoids you having to add a lot of terms to your search with the OR operator um, exactly. that you can sometimes use. That can get really tedious if you're putting in five different words. You can just use that one little character and capture them all. That's really handy. Yep, speeds up that research process, hopefully gets us to the answers quicker. Another thing that I really like is, you know, I was thinking about this when we do cluster research, you know, how we're thinking about not just the individual ancestor, but we're really thinking about the people that surrounded that person. And particularly when you're researching somebody with a common surname, boy, that's critical. Who were the people around them? Because that differentiates that person from other John Smiths, right? Well, websites are actually kind of the same when you think in terms of search. Think about the websites that are related to the website that you know has the kind of information you want. So in this case, I found a terrific website that was all about a particular family line that I was researching. And I thought, wouldn't it be helpful to know what websites are related to that website so that it has many, many of the same keywords, the same kind of information that maybe I wouldn't have found otherwise. So if you go into the Google search box and you type related colon, and then just copy and paste the URL address for that website that you know is a good one, that's a keeper, and then click search, Google is going to send you websites that are related to that website in terms of the, the information and the, and the uh, keywords that are found on it. It's a wonderful way to, again, broaden, make sure that you haven't missed anything without, again, dumping too many results in your lap at one time. So I love the related search. And I've, I've started using it more often, and I'm finding that it really pays off, particularly on a specific um, family or a specific topic that I'm looking for. And of course, Finally, I just want to remind everybody that, you know, you don't have to remember all the operators because if, if you want to, you can just click the advanced search link, which is right underneath the search button next to the Google search box. And the advanced page is going to kind of spell it out for you and give you little fields that you can input the information. So rather than doing the tilde, it'll say, you know, terms like or whatever, it'll prompt you for the kinds of things that you need to enter in order to get the same type of search. But of course, if you remember these different little tips, then it's a real quick search on Google. Yeah, those tips can save people so much time. And I know that most of our readers and listeners use Google a lot for their family history research. So this is definitely valuable advice. And I want to remind everybody uh, of Lisa's webinar it is available as a recording through shopfamilytree.com, and it's called Search Engine Tips and Tricks, so be sure to check that out. You'll also want to uh, check out Lisa's Family Tree University courses on Google. There are several of them, and we're offering a different session every month, so be sure to go to familytreeuniversity.com to see what's coming up and how you can learn more tricks like that to help in your online genealogy. also want to let everyone know about some of our upcoming webinars. We have several online genealogy-focused webinars coming up in the next month or so. First one is on Ellis Island, how to use the website, as well as other ways that you can kind of get past the limitations of the ellisisland.org search um, using different web tools. And that's coming up on July 21st at 7 p.m. We're also going to be doing an 
unofficial guide to Ancestry.com on August 25th. Just about everybody uses Ancestry.com in some form or another, and knowing how to search it is really something that can make your research more efficient, so you can learn lots of tips for that in our webinar on August 25th. And finally, I want to let everyone know about a free webinar that we're going to be having on August 11th. It's going to be an Ask the Editor session, so no holds barred. If you've got a question for the staff of Family Tree Magazine, be sure to sign up for this August 11th webinar, and we'll tackle them to the best of our ability. I love the fact that we can reach so many people across the country, across the world, who maybe don't have a class nearby, but can come online and get all the information they need. It's a lot of fun. I'll have links for all the classes that Allison mentioned in the show notes. Thanks so much, Allison. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this July 2010 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and visit the Genealogy Insider blog for all the latest genealogy news on a daily basis at blog.familytreemagazine.com insider. Next, head on over to FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash podcast to find the show notes for this episode, which will include information and website links for everything that we covered in today's episode, including links to Shop Family Tree, where you can pick up the September 2010 issue of the magazine. And that's the one that features David Frixell's article on the 101 best free websites for tracing your roots. And finally, head on over to FamilyTreeUniversity.com where you can browse the upcoming classes, including the ones that I'll be teaching on Mastering Google Search and Google Earth for Genealogists. If you have any questions or comments, please do email me at ftmpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I hope that you'll visit me at my website at genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, and Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. Both of those shows are also available through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. <laughs>